Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody tonight. and Welcome to the folks that are online. Glad that you've tuned in tonight. We had a great time in the Lord this morning talking about rooftop revelation. And you know what? No great work for God ever got started without prayer. And so there's Peter up on the rooftop. Finally learned his lesson the hard way, didn't he? He wasn't praying before, but now he's praying. And while he's praying, in the midst of that, God reveals something to him. We've got the Word of God. Now we've got the completed canon of Scripture, and everything God wants us to know is right in there. And He wants lost folks to get saved, regardless of where they've come from, what their background is. So we just had a great time, and we had guests, and we had souls saved. Now coming up in the weeks ahead, don't miss it. I preach on these passages of Scripture, and God keeps giving us more that we ring out and ring out and ring out, get more and more and more truth that we're able to apply. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Next week, you're going to find out what that sin is, all right? Don't miss that. And then two weeks out, don't settle for shallow Christianity. Shallow Christianity. A lot of folks have attempted a lot of things post-COVID because they want to get the crowd back. And so what they do is they add insult to injury. That's a shame. We need to get back to the book. Amen. And then uh, uh, we are going to talk about bearing fruit some more, die in order to bring forth much fruit coming up, and then how we build on Labor Day weekend. You want to be here and find out what the Bible says about how we ought to be building for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, amen. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Do we live it out? I hope so. All week, all day, every day, we need to demonstrate the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Those people had a mind to work. We have too. We got a lot of things going on this week. But don't miss this online every day from the shepherd to the sheep. Be out Wednesday night, 7.30. Don't miss our Wednesday night Bible study going through 2 Corinthians verse by verse. And then Thursday, our crew is going out to the fair to set up. And Friday, we blast off nine days at the fair. It's going to be fantastic, even over Sunday and Wednesday. But you're going to be here. I'm going to be here, except for those folks that are out there at the fair. We're going to be in our place, and we'll be doing our part. We'll be bringing uh, reports, cumulative uh, totals and things as we go along out there. Looking forward to what God is going to do, and then we're going to do the follow-up. Amen. And praise the Lord. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. We've got some things coming up in the month of September and October. Don't miss our next big extravaganza on the 21st. Don't miss our 60th anniversary as a church on the 29th of October. Everybody's going to be here, and we trust that you'll be here too. Help to fill a row. And we'll have a good crowd out that day. Praise the Lord. Now, we're talking about joy. We're talking about what we need. You know, some, some churches, uh, they've said, are kind of like insurance agencies. You know, a couple times a year, the agent comes around and checks on your policy. And, uh, and that's about all you have. You know, you've got folks that go to church on Christmas and Easter, maybe. And uh, it's just a, an occasional thing. And uh, then you got some churches that are like gas stations. You know, you pull in on Sunday, <sighs> you're running on fumes, and you gas up, and you go for the rest of the week. And uh, that's not it. And then uh, they used to, when, when Kmart used to be right up there, Walmart, I guess, would be an example. 
churches really ought to be, the New Testament church ought to be a little bit like the Walmart where you can find everything you need and uh, get it all and uh, keep up to date and praise the Lord. So I'm not promoting Walmart. I'm just saying there are different models about what churches ought to be. But some folks are the kind of people that they only call on the Lord when it's a desperation call instead of uh, being in touch with the Lord. I keep in touch with Jesus and He keeps touch with me. The old song would go. And that's the, that's the way it ought to be. We ought to walk just a closer walk with the Lord. We ought to have that nearness. We ought to have that connection. You know how it is. Any of you that are electricians or, or maybe you're just kind of uh, armchair home electricians, but you know that there's got to be contact. There's got to be connection. We've got to have that. Maybe you are an armchair um, uh, maybe a, a botanist or a, back, uh, a backyard uh, gardener and uh, farmer, and you know that, that, that you've got to, you know, the limbs have to abide in the trunk of the tree in order for that sap to go out and for there to be fruit on the limbs. There's got to be connection. Abide in me, and uh, Jesus said, if I abide in him and his words abide in me, then uh, whatever, whatever, uh, we desire, we're going to have, when we ask of the Lord, He's going to give it to us. This is all part of this connected life. Not a disconnected, you know, kind of a maybe, hope so, uh, kind of a, a disconnected, a maybe every once in a while, a tune-in kind of Christianity. It needs to be 24-7. We need to be in contact with the Lord and have that life flow going through us. If we try to do anything for God in the energy and the witness of the flesh, as we're going to see tonight, we will fail. And the, the absolute um, uh, giveaway to that is that there's no joy. There's absolutely no joy in mechanical Christianity, going through the motions kind of Christianity. It's got to be real. Vance Havner is now with the Lord. But he was a great country preacher Back in the 20th century, he said this, There is much artificial, whipped-up joy among Christians today, the same sort of enthusiasm that can be worked up at a ball game. There is not enough of our Savior's joy which should remain in us and be full, like we read in John 15, 11. The kind that Paul had when he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, it's not always, but it's always. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now he wrote that to the church at Philippi, which was suffering. He himself was in jail the first time at Rome, and uh, Clement, who was um, uh, a preacher in the, uh, toward the end of the first century and into the second century, uh, who knew Paul, said that Paul suffered tremendously at least seven times that he knew of in jail during his ministry. And yet, while he's in jail, instead of moaning and groaning at Philippi, they're singing at midnight till the chains fall off. And the jailer jumps in, and he can't believe they haven't fled. And he said, do thyself no harm, for we're all here. And the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? Now, I like that. You talk about a soul-winning method that's not going to fail, Daquan. There it is. When you're in jail for preaching, and the chains fall off, and you stick around so the jailer doesn't get in trouble and have to forfeit his life, he's going to say, what must I do to be saved? You tell me. Amen. And you say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and thou shalt be saved. No 12 steps or 10 steps or 15 steps. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Amen. So Paul, who was seven times at least in jail, according to Clement, said, rejoice in the Lord always. That means all the time and in every situation. Always rejoice in the Lord. That's, that's what we do when we have overflowing joy. Now, you and I know there is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is what we have when something good happens. Happiness is based upon what happens to us. Joy can be in spite of what happens to us. So you could be in jail, you could be beat to a pulp like Paul was, and you can still have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, and you can go on. You say, well, how does that work? It's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical, emotional, or mental thing. It is a spiritual thing. And it's because of the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see tonight. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. I'm going to begin with three questions about overflowing. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Are you overflowing? All right? Are you conspicuously Joyful. So I don't know if I can spell that, preacher. Well, just do your best. Are you conspicuously joyful? Number two, are you continuously joyful? Number three, are you contagiously joyful? And we need to be all three, conspicuously joyful. When we get done tonight, Lord, make me conspicuously joyful. Let me just be so obvious that Everybody can see it and can experience it and catch as it flows out of me. Number two, are you continuously joyful? Not just when things are going well. Now, a lot of people are joyful and not just happy. They're joyful, but it's when something good happens in their spiritual life. For example, they get the victory over some habit. Or they get the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, the, and coming fresh off of that victory, they are, at that moment, joyful. But what about when they're fighting the fight? What about when they're still struggling, facing the challenge? Are they continuously joyful then? Are we? Are we? And then are we contagiously joyful? Now, the answer to that is, if we're conspicuously and continuously joyful, we will probably be contagiously joyful joyful as well. We want people to catch what we got. And around Christians, you know, you can either catch that joy or you can catch that misery. Misery loves company, doesn't it? And it's contagious. Misery is contagious. You know, oh, I'm pretty sick. You know, the fellow was out on the bridge ready to jump. The other fellow went out there to talk him out of it. And after about 10 minutes of listening to the guy and all of his woes, they both jumped off the bridge. Why? Because misery is contagious also, isn't it? Joy is contagious. We need to spread that joy. Now, people, people are not all going to applaud you when you're contagiously joyful. No, they're going to say, will you just shut up? Excuse me. Will you, just, will you just zip it? I'm sick and tired of hearing about all your joy and all the good things of God. No, don't stop, no matter what. Just keep on. Now, I'm not saying that you ought to be an irritant but you ought to be continuously and uh, 
conspicuously and contagiously joyful. Tonight's message has been entitled, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. We want to get it out of our heart. And um, when, when the Hispanics are here, we go, Yo tengo gozo, 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 gozo en mi corazón. Donde? All right, so anybody know any Spanish here? All right. You just heard it. Okay, there you go. There you go. All right, gift of tongues and interpretation too. All right, there it is. When um, we were in our previous ministry, one time a lady who was pushing around or carrying around or dragging around a lot of burdens. Uh, she had burdens about, I'm sure, her life and, and her marriage and her children and so forth. And she, can't, and she just said, where's the joy? Well, it wasn't, you know, in her space. She didn't have any. She didn't have any. She was fresh out. I mean, she was one of those that if she had had joy, it ran down below, you know, E on the dial. And when that happens, when our joy gets low, that's when the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we get that supplemented. That's it. That's, your, that's like your, uh, your reserve. You know, that's your extra. That's where it comes from. When you don't have enough going on in your own life that automatically makes you experience and overflow that joy that we're talking about, you've got the joy of the Lord available to you. And I want to tell you why some folks don't have conspicuous, continuous, uh, contagious joy. Take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians, of course, written to the churches of Galatia. Those people had come from Central Europe uh, in the area that we know of as Gaul, and they had relocated over to Turkey, which is Asia Minor, and they were there in a region that was made up of these people that were transplants, and they were known for their emotions and uh, sometimes... Uh, uh, sometimes not always being exactly right on things, and they would go from one fad that included their religious beliefs and profession, one fad to another. These Galatians who had not one drop of Jewish blood in, running through their veins had been preached to after Paul and other New Testament Christians had reached them with the gospel. Along came the Judaizers. You know who the Judaizers were? These were those troublemakers who came from down in Judea and they came up and they said, Oh no, you Gentiles can't become Christians. You've got to become Jews before you can become Christians. And so they were, Galatianism is rampant today among people who think you have to do a bunch of stuff to get to that starting point before you can become a believer and believe on Jesus. No, it doesn't matter where you start from. You just start from Jesus. Jesus is our foundation. You don't have to go through any other, you know, uh, background uh, uh, presentation, any orientation before you become a Christian. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Receive Him into your heart and life and then just start out for God. Well, these folks in... Galatia had been confused by the Judaizers who taught you had to obey the law before you could get the grace to get saved. And I want you to jump into the fifth chapter with me. We're right in the middle of the book now. We're in the fifth 
chapter, uh, and uh, we're going to begin at about the 14th verse, all right? So we're in Galatians chapter number 5, and uh, we have, uh, moving on, just, just uh, actually the first verse in the 5th chapter says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Don't be, don't be uh, in bondage again to the law when you've got grace. Amen to that. Amen to that. But uh, over in, um, in uh, verse 13, it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Don't take advantage of the fact that we are at spiritual liberty and, and turn that into sinful license. We don't have license to sin. When you have liberty, you have liberty or license to do right, to obey God, to be led of the Spirit, as we're going to see. It says in verse 14, For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So we've, we've seen the law summarized previously already. Uh, over there in the Gospels, in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 22, isn't it? where uh, Jesus is quizzed by the young lawyer, and Jesus said, the, the one great law, the one great truth, is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind, which is what it says in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. And he said, the second great commandment is like unto the first, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then, then Jesus said, on these two all the uh, law and the prophets are, are suspended. They hang on all of this. And that's true. The Ten Commandments are summarized by those two. Those two are love God. That would be Commandments 1, 2, 3, and 4. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Those, those are Commandments 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So you're learning something tonight. How many of you are learning something? Say amen. Come on, nod your head up and down. Amen. That's it. That's the summary. Here it is. All the laws fulfilled in one word. That is, in our practical, everyday living, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. And uh, that's, a, that's an old story, isn't it? How the, the, the two dogs were fighting and they were so fierce and so they ate each other up. Just disappeared right off the face of the earth. Well, that's, that's what some Christians are like. I mean, they can't wait. Just give them the word. Boy, they're ready to bite and devour, and that's it. I mean, they are, you know, cocked, loaded, ready to fire instantly. Folks, that's not what the Lord wants us to be. Under grace, we should manifest that love for one another, and that's going to come when we've got the fruit of the Spirit in us. The fruit of the Spirit is not the, the end of, all be all. The fruit of the Spirit is the how-to uh, that we should be living out Jesus Christ. There it is. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's the secret right there. The, the lust of the flesh is any desire that we have that's not led of the Spirit of God. That's it. The lust of the flesh is not necessarily sensual or sexual, but the lust of the flesh is any desire that we have as a human being that's not the leadership of God in our life. And so how do we avoid 
going off this way, that way, being all over the radar screen, not being effective. The way we avoid that is walking, there it is, walking in the Spirit. Now, living in the Spirit, I want you to get this. Living in the Spirit is the living out of the new life that we have in Christ. Living in the Spirit is living out the new life that we have in Christ. Walking in the Spirit is sanctification. So we've got the two. I've taught you this before. Justification is not the same as sanctification. When you ask Jesus in your heart and life, that instant you are justified, just as if I'd never sinned. I'm justified. My name's written down in heaven. All of my bad works, you got Jesus' perfection, and the names get switched. He takes my bad works and pays for them with my blood, uh, with his blood, and we get his righteousness. That's justification. Now, after we're justified, every day we need to keep short accounts by confessing our sins and staying right with God. Never is our salvation in question. That's called sanctification. So living in the Spirit is the living out of our justification. Walking in the Spirit is our daily maintenance. That's our sanctification. You got the difference? Everybody got it? Everybody good with that? Going to learn something tonight. Take it with you now. All right. Now, we want to be victorious, so we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to make sure this sanctification is working. Keep short accounts. Keep confessing sin. Stay right with God. Run with the right crowd. Pray. Be in the Word. Amen. Grow in grace. Good. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are, con are contrary the one to the other, so that she cannot do the things that she would. That does not mean that it's impossible for you to live godly in Christ Jesus. What it means is, as long as you are pitting the flesh against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, you're not going to be successful. We have to die to our self-willed way of living. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. He's saying that old law system had its place in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. But that's not what you're living under, Galatian Christians. You're living under the grace system. You've got forgiveness. You've got freedom. You've got liberty in Jesus Christ. You're not, you're not constantly under the edge of the sword, and the Lord you know, it has this, uh, this uh, satanic kind of grin, and He's waiting just to cut you down when you make your first mistake. That's not the Lord. That's the devil. That's the devil. The Lord is different. The Lord, uh, on the contrary, has provided for us everything free in and through Jesus Christ. Now the works of the flesh are manifested. You can see these, which are these. Now these are things that you see at work in unsaved people who have no control over them. I mean, eventually they're going to sin. And Christians who can yield to the Spirit, and they don't have to yield to the flesh, but are still capable of committing sins. Here they are, the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. You say, wow, that's quite a laundry list. Yes, terrible, isn't it? It's like a guided tour through the bowels of hell. And any believer who isn't trusting in and depending upon the Holy Spirit 
for control in their life, they're going to fall back into these things. And they're going to behave like they never were saved. Alright? As I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If we are habitually doing those things, we've not been forgiven, we've not been saved. But the fruit of the Spirit, here it is. Now it's not works, but fruit. Fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. God, the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All right, you've got nine of them there. Three groups of three. Against such there is no law. These nine are important that they be seen in us. You see the works of the flesh in lost and backslidden people. You see the fruit of the Spirit in people that are yielded to, they are living in the Spirit because they're saved, and they're walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh, because they are sanctified. They're set apart for service. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So if you've been justified, then we ought to also live out that sanctified life. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. There it is. It's very simple. God wants us to be victorious, to have victory in Jesus. I love what we have seen on Sunday nights recently, uh, how wonderful Jesus is. And just as wonderful as Jesus is, we can live the Christ life, and that wonderful life can flow through us. Last week, when we uh, also examined the success that we have in and through Jesus Christ, we saw uh, how this can be lived out, how we can uh, have that life of victory. Saved, know it for sure. Secure, have assurance. Amen. Be uh, satisfied in Jesus Christ, not go after the things of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And number four, be significant so that we're influencing other people for heaven and for this Christ life. Now tonight, we're talking about the joy, 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 joy down in our heart. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's let it out. Let's let it overflow on other people. It's not worked up. It's not human enthusiasm, as good as that may be in its place. It is allowing the fruit of the Spirit to fill up and overflow. When we read about being fruit-bearing Christians, that fruit is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit of the Christian. That's winning lost souls to Christ so that we're bearing other Christians. We're winning folks to Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say, the place where the fruit of the Spirit comes in is this. We are going to be more successful at being fruit-bearing Christian soul winners. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. We're going to be more successful when we have love, joy, peace, etc., the fruit of the Spirit, the ninefold fruit. When that's demonstrated, ah, oh, I just got a bad attitude. When you get to heaven, you're going to be sad and sorry and filled with regret at the judgment seat of Christ that you didn't do something about that. I'm telling you right now, it's no joking matter. The people who excuse themselves, they say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I just, you know, just got to put up with my attitude. They're going to be so filled with regret 
at the judgment seat of Christ. And then there's no more opportunity to live for Jesus. I'm trying to save you that regret. I'm trying to save myself that regret. There it is. When Paul said stand fast in the liberty, stand fast, when he says walk in the Spirit, our standing in Christ, as I'm going to be preaching in the days ahead, determines our walk in Christ. Flesh and Spirit, those words are found ten times in these chapters. The man that lives according to the law depends upon his own energy, his own flesh. He will fail. It is destined to happen. But the man or woman who's walking in the Spirit will succeed. It is destined to happen, just as sure. The challenge will be there, absolutely. But the flesh, which is the fallen nature of the believer, is still inside of us and still is, is something with which to be reckoned. The body itself is not sinful. It is the sin nature, the flesh nature. The appetites are not necessarily sinful. But when the flesh gets control of our appetites, then our appetites will run rampant the wrong direction. And that will be a distraction. Listen to me. It doesn't lose our salvation for us. It doesn't cause us to be lost again. Oh no, but we lose opportunities. We lose fellowship. We lose the joy. Those are things you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose those things. Those are things that we need, elements that we need to be a success as a Christian. I'm talking to you tonight about staying on top of the things, the circumstances of life that come your way. The new believer enjoys minutes or hours or days of, of wonderful victory and then temptation comes in and hits him straight between the eyes and he becomes discouraged. And uh, somebody should have told him that the old nature would rise up. It's, it's, uh, it's very much uh, at work within us. And the old nature will try to bring us down. There you go. And the only way that we can get victory is if we die to self and let Jesus live through us. So we're not seeing works, but we're seeing fruit. Fruit. Fruit is a result of that living union that we read about back in John chapter 15. The branches in the trunk of the tree and the vine. And that life-giving flow, that sap coming up through the branches so that you can win souls when you go on visitation, when you witness, when you pass out tracts. You can see results from your witness. People see Jesus in you. And the fruit of the Spirit fills up that joy vessel and overflows on people. And they see the love and the joy and the peace and all the fruit of the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, made alive by the Spirit, let's walk in the Spirit. That's that sanctification that commands and controls our life so that we're no longer living for self. Paul begs us. And tonight I want to join him. I want to beg us as well that we live out lives that are pleasing to the Lord by the grace of God. Why do we do that? I want to show you three very quick reasons in Galatians chapter number 5. Please turn there again with me. Galatians chapter number 5. 
All right. Here we are. Galatians 5, verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called into liberty, as it says here, the first reason why we should yield to God so that His life flow comes through us to bear fruit, so that the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our behavior, in our attitudes, in our actions. Because God the Father has called us to this. He's called us. Now, He called us and drew us to salvation, didn't He? And He called us and He drew us to steps of obedience, didn't He? So we should pray and read our Bible and go to church and be baptized and tithe and, and give to missions and, and uh, be involved in service for the Lord. We, we were called to that. But we were also called to holiness. Called to holy living. Not what we work up, but what we yield to God. God the Father has called us. Number two, look in verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. There it is. Number two reason why we should yield in this life of holiness by the grace of God is because God the Son has died for us and He's placed His mark upon us and He owns us and we owe Him. I mean, He has bought us with His blood and therefore there is that relationship, that, that connection. So God the Father called us. He didn't just call us so we'd go to heaven. He called us so that we would be a peculiar people, a people unto Himself, reserved for His own good pleasure. Number two, Jesus Christ came all the way from heaven down to earth to live those 33 homesick years away from perfection in all of this imperfection and sin and all this filth, all this rot, and He died for the sins of mankind. All of us who, in effect, by our sin, crucified Him. He did that for us. That's the second reason why we ought to yield to God in holiness. Number three. Now, it's not what the holiness people say because they say, you ought to do that because you don't want to lose your salvation. There's no way you can lose it. Our life is hid with Christ so that we can't even find it to lose it. That's it. It's secure, absolutely secure, based upon the Word of God. But I want you to see number three. As we read, walk in the Spirit, verse 16, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All the way down, all of that discussion, all those verses. God the Father has called us. God the Son has died for us. We've identified with Him. We've been bought with a price. Number three, God the Holy Spirit indwells us, fills us, and His characteristics, the fruit of the Spirit, are demonstrated in our life whenever we yield to Him and people see the love and people see the joy and people see the peace and the long-suffering and the gentleness and the goodness and the faith and the meekness and the temperance. That's what's necessary. Stop making excuses and start allowing the Lord to have His way in our heart, in our life.
for him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight, as we've been preaching on, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You honestly ask yourself the questions that we began with. Are you conspicuously joyful? Are you continuously joyful? Are you contagiously joyful? And you'd say tonight, the Spirit of God has spoken to my heart. Slip your hand up with me as I raise my hand. The Spirit of God has spoken to your heart. Amen and amen. What will you do about it? Will you come in just a moment to the altar? Will you pray where you are? We ask the Lord to give you that overflow as you die to self. And you let Jesus Christ live through you. I'm going to encourage you to come. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now? Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die.